Thank you for joining this sermon podcast from Cornerstone Fellowship in Forest City, North Carolina. We hope that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message. Cornerstone exists to glorify God as we passionately pursue Him and make Him known through worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. Here's today's message. We are going to look at Psalm 23. I just want to take my usual two or three minutes to embarrass the praise team, like I always do. Great job. Yeah. I'm, I miss... I missed you guys. Next time I go out of town, we're renting a bus. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet or still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. And even though, or yea though, I think that is a great title. The sermon today really doesn't have a title. We're just looking at the Scripture. But if you wanted to give Psalm 23 a title, even though, that's a great title. That's, a, that's word, two little words to live by. Even though whatever happens, he is my shepherd. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies You have anointed my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, it's a certainty that goodness and loving kindness, I believe the New American Standard translates it loving kindness. That's our word, hesed. Loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I have seen people that I wondered how they made it. And I know how, okay? I know they're trusting in the Lord, but you can't help but be amazed sometimes when you see how a person's life, sometimes they take a dip. Some lives start off here and and move upward. I think of men like J.C. Penney, who uh, later became a tycoon and a very... uh, uh, entrepreneur, rich, successful man, but it, it started when he met Christ in an insane asylum. That's where it started for him. So his life goes up like this. There are other people that their lives are here and they take a dip, and that, that's a tough one. I, I remember reading about a man one time, perhaps you've heard of him as well, but he lost a child due to an adulterous affair that he had what a reminder what a daily reminder to have to walk to a graveside and know that we're here today because I did something stupid I did something selfish as a matter of fact later on this same gentleman would have a son who would grow up and murder another one of his sons another reminder where did this kid learn this 
where did my son get the idea that sometimes if you're in a thicket and you can't navigate your way out, you might have to kill somebody and worry about it later. Oh, you know exactly where he got it. He learned that one from dad. And he killed his own brother because this brother of his had raped his sister. Now, of course, that's King David. And he is the one that is writing this psalm. And I think uh, sometimes, and scholarship bears this out, we think of Psalm 23 as being written by a, a little young shepherd boy, you know, who like plays his harp with a group like Skillet, you know. I'm not sure they have one. But this is probably later in David's life. He's learned some things when he writes these words, my friend. And I know that we know these words so, so very well, but I hope we can get past that because sometimes we just anticipate the next line. Uh, we go down the road and see if we can uh, say all of it from memory. Uh, sometimes passages that are so important, they get clouded with familiarity. And so what we need to do is dig in here a little bit and not let it be so familiar to us, but learn some serious truth because he chooses every word he says, he chooses them very carefully. He talks about our shepherd. Number one, he talks about his position. In verse one, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It says two things. One about God and one about me. First of all, if He is my shepherd, let's look at what He says about me. That means that I am a sheep. That means that God sees me as a, a sheep. And, and, and that's insightful because I have to remember that no matter how confident I become, that sheep get crazy ideas sometimes. And they do foolish things. And they put themselves in danger most of the time, when something happens to sheep because they have a shepherd that will protect them from the things that they can't fight against themselves, so most of the time when sheep get in trouble, it is because they got themselves in trouble. It is because they were just foolishly doing something they should not have done. That's why shepherds have to watch them constantly. Unless they're sound asleep, they're probably thinking about getting into something. Sheep will eat, and you know how sheep will just absolutely destroy a pasture if you have any kind of agricultural background. Lots of cattle farmers hate sheep because sheep just eat it down to the nub, buddy, till it is all gone. There's nothing left to come back. And a sheep will just start eating, and he'll start right here, and he will just keep eating. And he might not look up for two or three hours, and then when he does finally look up, man, he doesn't even know where he is, sort of like I used to be in Kentucky Fried Chicken. I just get lost in there and all the grease and cholesterol, you know, uh, used to. But sheep are just prone to do foolish things like that, and, and you and I need to understand that. We're naive. We get these bright ideas sometimes. Uh, well, you know, I, 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 I just think that... Uh, you know, there's something wrong in my marriage and God would want me to be happy and I, I just think He's okay with my divorce. Dumb. That's a sheep thought right there. I can go ahead and tell you now. 
uh, other ideas uh, that we might have. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not getting anything out of church or whatever, and that might be true, and there's a lot of churches I don't know if I'd get anything out of them either, but be careful when you make those decisions. Always remember that we are prone. It is natural. It bolts right up to us to make some of the most asinine decisions in the world because of our very nature as sheep. It also says something about God. He uses what we call the tetragrammaton, or tetragrammaton sometimes it's pronounced. It just means four consonants. Tetra is four, grammaton is consonants. The four consonants. Uh, You've heard of them if you've been here in some of our Bible studies with me. Uh, It is the four consonants in the word Yahweh. And that is the word that he uses here for Lord. In most English translations, and I know most of you know this, but some may not. If you notice, every letter in that word is capitalized. L-O-R-D. And when you see that in an English translation, that means that word is not translating Adonai. That's a lesser word for Lord, not quite as important. But it is translating the word Yahweh. And that is the covenant name for God. They would not even speak that name except for once a year and only the high priest could say it. So even today, if you were an Orthodox Jew and you were reading this text from the Hebrew, when you got to this word, you would say that the Lord is, uh, or, or instead of saying Yahweh is my shepherd, you would say Adonai, even though it is definitely Yahweh. They just will not say the word because they fear the same thing that we talked about with this psalm. They believe that being too familiar with God brought him down on too much of a level that we could all kind of understand him. It makes us and him more equal than it should. And the Jewish people were keen on that. They did not believe in using that particular name for God Ever. As a matter of fact, if you look in Mark chapter 5, you might not notice this had you not known what we just talked about, but the demons and the man uh, cried out and said, Jesus, Son of the Most High God, what have we to do with you? They quoted his full name. And, and, and that's not as remarkable until Jesus looks at them and says, well, what is your name? Uh, we don't see it. But there's a little wordplay going on there between Jesus and the demons. It's like, oh, I see you know who I am. I see you don't mind using my name. He said, what's your name? I'd like to know. And of course, they bowed their chest out and said, well, our name is Legion because we are many. There's a lot of us. And of course, Jesus was like, yeah, a lot of you now. I'm about to make some devil ham here in a minute, though. And, and you won't be around anymore. But all of that's going on there. I I can tell you, God Almighty as Yahweh, that's a powerful word. And what does Yahweh mean? We just actually sang a song. What a beautiful name it is. I wouldn't embarrass you for anything in the world, but do you know what the name Jesus means? What makes it so beautiful? Jesus is the English translation of Jesus, but what does that name mean? What makes it so beautiful? 
Well, it is the Greek version. Jesus means Yahweh saves. Yeshua was how they would say it in the Hebrew. Yahweh saves. That's what makes the name of Jesus so beautiful. God saves. He is the one who is the covenant bearer. He, that's the, that he is the one that is large and in charge, and there's just no doubt about that. That is His covenant name. That is the most sacred name for Him. But He saves. He is our shepherd. He, he cares about us. He could just turn away from us. As a matter of fact, you got to remember when we refer to God by His covenant name, say hallelujah that He is the one that keeps His end of the covenant all the time. And He never fails in that. But He also had to come here to this earth and keep my end of the covenant for me and give me uh, the righteousness He earned from that as a free gift of grace so that I could have salvation. Yeah, I would say hallelujah. Yahweh saves. I like this too. He says He is my shepherd. I think he wrote this probably after some of the Psalms where he said He's my shield. He is my rock. He is my deliverer. Now he gets so personal here. He says, He's my shepherd. He is my shepherd. That's his position. Move on secondly to the peace he gives us. His peace in verse 2, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Uh, one of the characteristics of sheep is they will not lie down unless they feel that they are in perfect peace. They just are agitated. They're back and forth. They're just real jittery. And, and uh, Loretta and I, when we went out of town this past weekend, we left our our dog with Chase and, and Sarah, and, and it was about, I don't know, hours before he would finally settle down. He, and then when he did, he settled down at the front door, <laughs> waiting on me to come back. Uh, just absolutely everywhere. And, and then, of course, later he got used to it and went, oh, they have a pool. Hmm. And, and then he went out there and laid down beside it, and now he's wondering, well, why don't we have one? But... It took him a while. Sheep will not lie down. As a matter of fact, they will actually give themselves a heart attack. They'll exhaust themselves to the point of death if they are afraid of anything, if they think there's something out there, a predator or whatever it might be. So when he says he makes me to lie down in green pastures, there's three things, we'll just mention them quickly, that he's helped those sheep to overcome. One is possibilities from the foe. The enemy's always around. Uh, the wolves and, and, and the different animals that would uh, prey on the sheep, they're always there, and, and he would protect them from that. And it's the same way with us. I, I can tell you, we have an enemy, and his name is Satan. And I promise you, uh, as little as we really understand and know about him, he's very active, he's very real, he's very much alive, he's not gone anywhere, he's not given up yet, and he will prod and poke at your life every single day. I don't think we can blame the misery in our lives on him. We have to make the decisions just like Eve, and if we make bad ones, we can't say, well, the devil made me do it. That was Flip Wilson, I'm, I'm old, you don't remember him, but... But you, you, you can't say that. 
But I can tell you, he's very active. We have a foe. We have an enemy. We have someone that, that ought to make us lock the doors of our heart at night because he certainly lurks about. Not only possibilities from the foe, he gives us peace from parasites from the field. Para means alongside, of course. Parasite means it lives alongside something else. It actually finds its life in something else. It doesn't have a life of its own. It lives off of the nutrients that it gets from another living being. And they had all kinds of things like that. They had warbles and things that would get under the sheep's skin and it would cause a hard, itchy knot and and it would just live in there and live off of the sheep and and there were constantly things like that. When I look at my own life, I realize that sometimes I have things in my life that I need to help let the shepherd rescue me from because they're living off of me. They're taking life out of me. It might be hatred. It might be unforgiveness. It might be ill will. Uh, yours or it mine, it could be hurt feelings or whatever it is. I'm telling you, if you've got that going on in your life, it is living off of you. It is sucking the life out of you. It has no life of its own. It is using your life and it is taxing your strength to exist. So let's get rid of those things that are parasites from the field. And then thirdly, there are problems sometimes from the flock. Chickens have a pecking order. Cows have a horning order. Sheep have a budding order. When I was a kid and we'd get maybe a young steer or something uh, new to the farm, we had a registered black Angus bull that weighed just almost exactly one ton. He was pretty docile. We had a chain around his neck. We could walk up to him, pet him. My dad would let the chain out ever so often. But boy, when you introduced a new whippersnapper into the pasture, I got news for you. Sam went to greet him immediately. Sam had a lot of girlfriends, and he planned on keeping every last one of them. He even had girlfriends over at the neighbor's house. Taff McAllister lived on one side. He was a black man that was a farmer on the other side. George Hayes owned a big farm. But when uh, Sam saw a new gal on the other side of the fence, Sam just started walking. And he'd get over and he'd have barbed wire and fence posts hanging all around him. But he'd just keep walking until he got there. And then we discovered the power of electricity. And I'll never forget the first time Sam's old big wet gray nose drew a blaze about that long. That's back when you could buy an electric fence that would kill a, a small animal. <laughs> but I can just tell you, there are problems in the flock sometimes. We're, we're, we're like Sam. We have this budding order, this horning order. We fight with each other. Somebody gets attention that we felt like belonged to us. And, and, and boy, I tell you, church can be so hard. High-maintenance people are those that are maybe either infants in Christ 
Or perhaps uh, they're one of those in there, many of these. There are many of these. People that have never met Christ. They don't know the Lord. They're a member of a church somewhere. They go to church and, and, and things sell on pretty smoothly most of the time until they're challenged, until you have to bear uh, some peace and love and joy and, and all of the fruit of the Spirit until you have to have some faithfulness and self-control and all of that that can only come from having the Spirit of God within you until you need that. You can sit here and look just like everybody else, but then all of a sudden somebody got your parking place or somebody got your seat. They know I sit there all the time and there's lots of seats and I don't know why they had to get mine and I don't know why you got a seat in here that you think is yours. Matter of fact, if you do, would you do us all a favor today and take it home? Because it belongs at your house. This is not your house. That's hard on people that don't know the Lord. They don't get that. They live in here the same way they live everywhere else. And boy, life can be tough. And it can be hard on the under-shepherds as well. Pastors have killed themselves sometimes trying to get people to love and obey and serve and submit to someone that they've never met. They don't know Him as their Savior. And that is tough. And churches split and people fight. But I like He says, when David says, He makes me lie down. Sometimes, boy, we just need some rest. I love, I'll read this and we'll move on. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you I will give you rest. You realize how precious that is? When you really have to have rest, nothing else, you don't need anything else. You, you, nothing else is going to do. Oh, you you got to set your end down. you got to catch your breath. The arms are burning. The, the legs in the back are aching and you've given out. You've exhausted yourself. You're at the point that nothing else is going to work. You have to have rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Sometimes I just have to say, God, I just, I just need some rest. I just need some rest, God. Position his peace, his pardon. He restores my soul. And he guides me into the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Restore here means to return or to recover. Andrew Bernard, Dr. Andrew Bernard, actually, he um, was a shepherd and he wrote a book about God being our shepherds. And he was a shepherd from Scotland, but he talked about how sheep over there would jump to different places and they would jump to cliffs and this so spoke to my heart they would jump over there to a cliff because you know the grass was really green and lush but they forgot that when they jumped that was downhill now coming back is going to be uphill (laughs) and that ravine in between the two spots is deep and he says sheep are constantly putting themselves in places from which they cannot return man have you ever done that have you ever put yourself in a spot that without God's help you could not get back? Could not get back. I see it happen all the time. Man, alive. I, I don't know how many people that I know of right now that alcoholism is dominating their life. 
It's dominating their life. And some of these were pastors, some of these were church leaders, some of these were uh, faithful Christians at one time, serving the Lord, whatever. Man, alive, their life took that, that atomic dip. And, and it's, they're in a place right now, and opioids, all of those things. It's not just affecting the world out there. It's affecting the world in here as well. And sometimes we as sheep, we put ourselves in places from which we can't return. Not without some help from the shepherd. Dr. Bonaire said that what a shepherd would usually do in Scotland was let the sheep hustle about over there in panic and frantic until it was totally exhausted and had given up on the idea of ever making it back on its own. He said, and then the shepherd could go over and pick up that limp, half-dead sheep, totally exhausted. No more resources left. No more self-sufficiency. He could pick up that sheep and bring it back. Boy, I've been there a time or two. I've been there a time or two. I am sure that we all have. Restoration. His position, his peace, his pardon. I don't know if I'm going to name all of these. We, we're going to have more peas in here than in somebody's garden here in a minute. But number four, his protection. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Watch this carefully for you. Did you notice that? He went from second person or third person to second person. He's not talking about the shepherd. He just started talking to the shepherd. He says, for you, for you are with me. God becomes Emmanuel right here. He becomes among us. He gets in our life right here. David stops just talking about God and starts talking to him. He says, Lord, you are with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, which can be translated from the Hebrew as a valley that is as dark as death. So it's not just death. It would include that. But sometimes in life we go through valleys that are as dark as death. We can't find our way. We don't know what to do. We've worried ourselves sick. And and, and, and our life is just a miserable mess. Or, or maybe we've been hurt so deeply we got a family member that we're concerned about that just will not open their eyes or their heart or whatever. Whatever it might be. You have a marriage. It's going south, and you're trying to bail water fast as you can, and, and it just doesn't seem to be working. We can get in those places sometimes there are valleys that are as dark as death. He comforts us in that death. He says, I will fear no evil. He didn't say there wouldn't be some. And yeah, he does mean that one of these days, when I draw my last breath here on this earth and I go through that valley, that valley of the shadow of death, someone has noted that shadows don't hurt you. It just lets you know it's there. I, I run from shadows sometimes. Sometimes the real thing's not there. Just the idea that it could be is enough to get you. 
He says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. It also, he also helps us in life. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's for the sheep while they're here. The rod was a long stick that, that was like a club, and the shepherd would use it to hit animals. I mean, you've you got to understand, these shepherds were tough dudes. When a wolf bailed out there and started toward the sheep, the shepherd meet him. He didn't run like, hey, y'all get somewhere quick. He's got big, long teeth. <laughs> no, he had meet him, and he had meet him with the rod, and he had beat him and fight him until he killed him. Uh, and then the staff, uh, boy, the staff was the long, crooked pole uh, that had the big crook on the end of it, and that was for the sheep. That wasn't for the predators. That, that was for reaching and getting the sheep when he'd get somewhere he didn't belong or couldn't return from or was about to uh, walk in the wrong direction, the shepherd could reach with that hook and, and pull him back. There's a passage in the Old Testament. I can't remember where it is, and I don't think I wrote it down, but it talks about how God knows every shepherd that walks under the rod. You see, at night when the sheep would come by, going into the area that the shepherd had prepared for them to sleep, he would have places picked out that would just have one opening. And then there would be a small area there, and he would lead the sheep through that opening, and he would count them. He would hold out his rod. They would walk under it, and he'd count them. He knew every one of them by name. He knows every sheep that walks under the rod. The Old Testament passage says, I think it's in Isaiah. And then guess where the shepherd slept? He slept in that opening. If you want in here, you come by me. These sheep belong to me. Man, that's pretty awesome when God says it. That's pretty awesome when God says it. If I said it to you, I mean, I'd do my best. But I'm not quite the boxer I used to be. I got a mean left hook, a mean left jab. I got a mean left overhead I got a mean left uppercut I got all kind of mean stuff on the left not too much working on the right I give it my best but I've noticed when I try to shadow box I look more like Fred Sanford now than Mike Tyson but I'm not the one that you got to depend on you depend on the same one I depend on that's God I don't know why he loves me like he does. But he says, I'm going to sleep right here tonight, Mike. And when it gets dark, you won't have to worry about anything. It'll have to get by me first. Because I'm your shepherd. Man. Praise the Lord. Also, his provision, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with all my cup overflows. You prepare a table before me. That's presenting a feast, so to speak. One of the questions that Israel asks, and David talks about this in Psalm 78. In Psalm 78, he's retelling the story of the children of Israel. And he said one of the questions the children of Israel ask Will God be able to set a table in the wilderness? 
And the answer, of course, is yes. Sometimes when you're in the wilderness and you feel like there are no resources, there's no way out, there is nowhere to turn for anything, I am absolutely destitute. Sometimes God doesn't just help us out a little. David says sometimes He sets a whole spread out in front of us. And and David never did get along too well with his enemies. And notice how he threw the little jab in there. He says he does it right in front of my enemies. They have to watch as God blesses me. Wow. In the presence of my enemies, he says, you have anointed my head with oil. You treat me like an honored guest. I'm kind of foolish this way. I worry. I know it sounds crazy. I worry myself to death about bothering people. I hate to bother somebody. Now, my wife will say, have you called them? Well, no. I guess I could. She's like, well, their house is burning down and they're in it. Well, yeah, but who wants to be waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning, you know? It's not that. It's... But whatever it is, I, 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 I might let you get in a lot of trouble sometimes, Charles. I don't want to bother you. No matter how badly I might need something, sometimes it's for you. And if you're one of those that you just love to be checked on and have somebody call to see how you're doing, maybe we could make up a list because I'll be glad to do it. I'm just like, if you're sick, because I just know, like when I have the flu, hanging out on the phone is just not one of the things I want to do. And there may be some noises coming on that phone that you probably don't want to hear. I just like to leave people alone. (laughs) Man, surely I'd be embarrassed to ask God for help. But it says here that He anoints our head with oil. He treats us like an honored guest when we come to Him. Man, you know there's people that, uh, and I I, I just got to say this, there are people that, boy, they are the best host in the world. I remember Rich Rogowski and I one time were hunting up at Miss Jenny and Brother Rich's farm. And one morning it was about, oh, I don't know, two degrees. And it was cold. Well, Rich killed a deer early and he went over to the house. And Miss Jenny, I don't know if you remember this or not, but she had a spread in there. Hot coffee, waffles, eggs, all kinds of stuff. I'm down there freezing to death in a tree stand. Rich has already killed his deer, and he is in that house, and he is about to go full diabetic right there on the spot. It's the way you always are, Miss Jeannie. Oh, come in. I have to tell you, it's awesome when God's that way. Anoints our head with oil. Then His promise, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Surely, it's it's certain, He says. And and the word goodness is tov. Boker tov is how you say 
Good morning in Hebrew. Try that out tomorrow. Boker Tov. Not Broker Tov. Goodness. Good things come. And then he says, surely goodness and hesed. That's that word that's untranslatable we talked about. It means undeserved mercy. It means that, no, you went beyond the pale. It's, it's not just grace. It's more than that. You didn't even deserve grace and God loves you. And God cares about us. And when we get to the place that we are absolutely uh, out of, of any resource whatsoever and, and have nothing that we can carry before God. We are guilty as charged. We have messed up our life. We have ruined whatever it was we were doing. We were selfish. We were just absolutely sinful. And, and there's just no excuse for it whatsoever. That's when Hesed, loving kindness, David says, they pursue me. That brings us to number seven, his persistence. Follow me all the days of my life. The word follow means to resent, relentlessly pursue all the days of my life. Man, you ever feel like something's after you? Well, if you're following the Lord and trusting in Him, that might be His goodness and mercy you hear behind you creeping up because He loves you like that. And then last of all, His presence. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One of the things that my kids learned growing up when we live at daddy's house, yeah, there's some rules, there's some whatever, but if there is the possibility of anything bad happening, we won't have to deal with it. Dad will take care of it. I've never awakened Loretta in the middle of the night and say, I think I heard something outside. Would you go check? If you're a husband like that, you ought to be beat really well with a good green corn stalk is all I can tell you. I heard about one man that was married to a woman that thought she heard something every night of her life. And she'd wake him up, her husband up, saying, you got to go to the basement and I hear something down there. He said, I don't hear anything. I, he'd go and check and there'd be nothing there. It went on for years. Finally, one night, she got him up. I'm not going. There's nothing down there, honey. It's your imagination. We've been through this. She finally worries him long enough. He gets up and goes down there, and sure enough, that night, there's a burglar in the house. And the guy turns to jump back out through the window, and the man grabs him and says, no, 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 hold on. You're coming upstairs. <laughs> he said, my wife has been looking for you for about eight years, and I want her to meet you. <laughs> You see, dwelling in God's house, He takes care of things there. Now, He makes the rules. But He's always there. When you live in His presence, He's never going to make a rule to hurt you. It's always going to be to help you. It'll always be because He loves you and cares about you. And when danger is afoot, I promise you, He'll take care of that. 
because that's where we dwell. Don't invite Jesus to come live at your house. I, I, I know we could pray that in some sense. Go live at his house. Live under his rule and his jurisdiction. Don't invite God to come and join your life like a phone, cell phone hooked to your side, like a, uh, an attachment to a life that's already in progress. No, don't invite him to do that. Go live at his house and let him have full charge of your life. Live every day talking to him in prayer and crying out to him and depending on him and let him be the master of the house. As I close today, I, I don't know everybody's heart here. I can't imagine there's one person in this building after what all we have been through in the last two years. And the uncertainty that we face in this world right now. I can't imagine there's one person here that couldn't find something from Psalm 23 today to lift them up. Something had to have spoken to your heart. I'm telling you, He loves us. He cares about us. A lot of you guys, you old rough boys like me, we grew up with Dad, some of us, that trained us, and I think it's a good thing. We could probably bring some of this back, but if you want something, you work and earn it. I could ask my dad for anything in the world. Do you know that? Isn't that cool? I could ask him for a dirt bike. I could ask him for a car. I could ask him for whatever. He didn't mind. As long as I bought it. <laughs> yeah, you can have that. You can get you a job. My daddy never bought me a car. We never had that, you know, where the 16-year-old goes out in the yard. Oh, we missed that day. I don't know what was up. We just didn't seem to go there. It's okay, though. It helped me a lot in life. I've never sat around and whined and thought my problems were because somebody else had more than I did. That's worth something. But sometimes it breeds in us some self-sufficiency. Sometimes it's hard for me, and I bet it is some of you, to realize how much He loves us. And that when we need Him so badly, and don't deserve it, don't deserve it, that He still loves us. And he still cares about us. And he still watches over us. And he anticipates, get this, this will bless you. He anticipates us being stupid. Isn't that great? He knew you were going to be. He knew it. Isn't that great, Steve? Steve was over. I like that smile. He's showing every tooth in his head. Isn't that great, Steve? God just knew. Yep, they're going to be stupid. Well, I know. Some of us old boys, we, we like doing it on our own. I see old Rich Cox back there. I had planned on whipping him one day, and now I lost my hand. Set me back. Tough as nails. There's others of you here, I know. You work hard for what you get. You don't ask anybody for anything. I, I, I think that's, that's a great work ethic, and I like it. But when it comes to our need for the shepherd, 
tough sometimes. It's like a breakdown, man. Say, God, I, I, I can't work enough overtime for this one. I can't try hard enough. I can't take enough responsibility to make this go away. I need you, Lord. I want you to know he loves you. He loves you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for being our shepherd. We thank you, Lord, for giving us your word. You preserved these words all these years, thousands of years. You preserved them for us to read today. You knew we would need them. Lord, you knew they wouldn't have to be changed to fit the times. No, they fit the times very well. They have ever since they were written. God, I thank you for them. And I pray you'd help us. You've been so good to me, Lord. In the last couple of years, Lord, you have been so good to me. So good to me. I thank you for your blessings. And I pray, God, if there's somebody here today that, Lord, maybe they're just not fully convinced of how much you love them. I pray, Lord, today they leave here today knowing you want to anoint their head with oil and treat them like a special guest. You've been dying for them to come into your presence. Fall on their face and cry out. Be broken before you, God. Lord, I pray that you speak to that heart today. That sweet, sweet, dear soul, Lord, that takes care of everybody and serves everybody and neglects herself, Lord, sometimes. Lord, that crusty old guy like me that never saw a fight, he didn't think he could at least give it his best in. I pray, God, you help all of us to realize that not only do we need you, but you are there for us. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, precious shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to know more about Cornerstone, please visit our website at ServantsWay.com or email us at office at ServantsWay.com. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 1186 Hudlow Road, Forest City, North Carolina. Please join us again next week.